Hello, everybody. Welcome to Surviving the Modern World, Episode 4. Uh, we're going to go with cold weather on this topic. And uh, before I start off, um, I've been getting some pretty decent uh, feedback. That's that's great. Thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, you know, well, in fact, this, is, this show is inspired by some feedback that I received, you know, uh, maybe do one on cold cold weather. And I thought, hey, great, perfect. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping it sounds a little bit better. Uh, I did get some of my equipment in. I got the uh, uh, little power amplifier made by a company called Newer. It's the little ghost 48 volt, whatever it is, little enhancer. So they say you should run that with one of these condensing mics. I didn't read that at first. And so now I have it, have the power on. So if I'm talking extra loud, um, I'm sorry. And uh, we'll just have to play around with it. I went into settings and just, you know, put everything at a pretty normal rate. But so again, give me some feedback. Let me know how it sounds. If it's too loud. I don't know. So, um, all right. Well, with the cold weather upon us, uh, which I hate, I hate the winter. And most preppers, you know, they probably hate the winter too because that really throws quite a wrench in everybody's planning um not only are you going to be you know possibly in the middle of a collapse of society or whatever but now throw winter on top of that winter sucks when we have everything working 100 percent. you know your your car's working good your house is heated nice and you know so the winter time it you know if you're like me and you hate it all year round it's like I just dread the winter and while we're in it, I hate every minute of it, you know, and it just seems like it lasts forever too. Your growing season is gone. So gardens, they're out the window. And you know, you really never can tell when shit's gonna go down. So, um, you know, I mean, it, if, I was, if I was an enemy, if I was going to attack the United States or my enemy, I would definitely attack during a winter time, you know, and because most places now, most modern places, and if you're listening, hey, evaluate yourself right now. Do you have any other way to heat your home besides your gas furnace, your electric baseboard heating, um, if you have the hot water heating? You know, all these things have one thing in common. They require electricity. And, um, you know, so the only, I, I do have a friend that has the geothermal heating and, um, it's pretty cool because, uh, it, it did cost him about $30,000 to get that installed into his home. And he did a lot of the work himself and that's where they bury, um, like copper coil. You, you can use plastic too, like the PEX, uh, hosing, but he ended up using copper and it's supposed to have like a little bit better refractorating, uh, of the heat. But so he ended up putting that outside and um, his gas bill it's God, right around $20 a month in the dead of winter and his house is like 85 degrees in there and it's pretty cool that's something to really look into because the pump that he runs is so little and I'm sure that if you had some type of a solar setup that you know that you could you could possibly heat your home off-grid um, just like he is. It's pretty cool. But I mean, if you're up in the mountains doing a cabin, you might run into a lot of problems with terrain, rocks, stumps, um, hills, you know, it's got to be on a pretty flat deal and they do bury it down about six to eight feet. So it's pretty down there. But anyway, to get back on track, 
if you look at your home and you say, all right, well, that's all I have. And I'm guilty. That's all I have. I have a um, gas furnace and uh, it's, it's really reliable. It's uh, never messed up on me. I've had it for three years that I've lived here and it's ran flawless. I haven't, I haven't had to do anything to it except for just change the filters every few months. Um, but I do have a home that I rent and my rental, I mean, I've gone down there almost every year and uh, changed out the thermal pile or even like the igniter. And it can really be a pain, you know, uh, somebody calls you up in the middle of the night. It never seems like it goes out when it's a nice day, but it, they'll call you up and they'll say, hey, it's out. And, you know, I've been pretty lucky every year. It's a pretty common setup and I've had, you know, um, new heating elements from the uh, local place. But if the power was down, okay, if the power was down in my house, I actually have a pretty decent square footage and... I'll tell you, it would really be hard to, to, you know, to heat up where you're staying. And uh, there's many ways you can do this, okay? And, you know, square space, or square footage anyway, it is a lot harder to heat a big, huge thing. So, um, you know, and my little brother, he actually had a really good point. We were kind of talking about this today a little bit um, before we did the show. And uh, he had a really good point. You know, he said, you know, a lot of times if uh, the the power goes out, your heat goes down, you know, you know, you want to get everybody in the home into one room because it is easier to heat one room versus your whole house. And so, I mean, you know, and he was saying, you know, that he had neighbors that at the time, you know, they just kind of each threw on their own blanket and, and everybody froze their butt off in their own room. And, uh, you know, best thing you could do, you know, if you have the equipment is uh, set up a tent if you had like a four-man or a six-man tent, and you set that up inside of a room, okay? You've got to drag all the furniture out of your front room or scoot it aside. Set up a tent, okay? And then inside the tent, you know, lay down some blankets or even lay blankets over the top of the tent. And uh, get out the sleeping bags, you know? Throw them in there. I mean, kids will love it, you know? And I'm knowing my brother's kids, you know, my niece and nephew, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they loved every minute of tent camping in the house. I mean, who wouldn't like that, right? And, uh, you know, that, that would get you by for as many nights as you need, really. And, uh, you know, even in a room, if you were to light a candle, um, you know, like a three-wick candle, a two-wick candle, it doesn't have to be anything monstrous because just lighting a candle in that room, it puts out so many BTUs that if everybody was in the room, um, you know, it would actually really help you know, the comfort zone of that room. And, uh, you know, with anything that emits a flame, though, you do have to really be careful. You know, you don't, I'm not telling you, hey, guys, light candles in your room and go to bed. You know, make sure that it's safe. You know, don't be a total tard. You know, lay down uh, something metal for it to sit on and uh, make sure that there's nothing around it, magazines and curtains and all that kind of crap. I mean, come on, guys, you know, and uh, work with me on this. <laughs> you know, but, you, you know, you can put it in a glass jar or if you have the glass jar ones, and I have had those explode, so be really careful with that. Uh, like I said, I always like to set them on something metal, a metal dish or even a, a, a dinner plate would work. Just that way, if it did explode and everything ran out, you know, you're not going to have a big fire or a big mess. But, you know, you do have to watch out for carbon monoxide poisoning. And so, you know, you don't want to bring in your barbecuer and fire it up and, and uh, all that kind of crazy stuff. But, you know, like one little candle, it's not going to poison everybody to death. 
especially in a good sized room. Um, and if everybody's inside of a tent, got your sleeping bags and stuff. And if you're really worried about it, hey, crack a door, you know, just leave a door cracked a little bit to where some of the airflow can still come in and out of the room. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, we were also talking a little bit about some other stuff because you may not always be home whenever something bad happens. Um, you know, I do a lot of driving in the wintertime through the mountains and uh, I go up north into the Salt Lake area and then come all the way back down. Well, I'm, I'm going through some pretty, you know, crappy mountain ranges that are steep up and down hills, windy turns. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of accidents every year. The road's icy and uh, you just never know. I mean, you might slide off. There's no cell phone service. And I've actually drove through there at night in, uh, you know, pushing snow where it's like a blizzard and I am pushing snow over my hood as I'm driving about five miles an hour all the way, you know, would take, would take you uh, about a 55 minute drive has taken me four hours to just go real slow and careful and push snow in my four wheel drive, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I just didn't have any other choice. I had to go through it, but you know, best choice would be just, you know, change your trip, but if you can't, and this show's all about the when you can't or, you know, unforeseen events that cause problems in life, be prepared for them. It's just kind of like I say, if I, you know, go to the shooting range and my gun fails, I love it because now I get to learn how to fix a problem. And uh, so same thing with life. But I mean, there are some things that you can die from if you're not really prepared. So let's say that you're driving and your car goes off the road and uh, you don't have very much gas, you can't sit in it and run it and, and all that. Well, you know, still that car is pretty insulated. You know, you could probably go out and pack some snow around the windows and stuff, crack a window, and uh, just for some airflow, you, you could probably sleep in a car if you had to with all your clothing and stuff. I mean, if I'm gonna freeze to death, I wouldn't care about ripping my seats apart and making myself a nice little bedding, you know? If you had to do anything like that, hey, do it. If you're traveling with other people, huddle together. You're some guys and you're like, oh, I don't want to huddle with him. Well, then freeze to death. But, you know, every situation is going to depend on, you know, what you have, where you're at, and uh, how bad the emergency is. And uh, so if you do some some training, like outside, like you're going to be hunting, uh, trapping. I've got lots of friends in this area that, that trap, you know, so they have to go out and check their traps every, you know, 24 to 48 hours, they're out checking traps. And, uh, you know, there's a very good chance that they could get up there and they could get stuck in a snowstorm or they could, uh, you know, fall and get hurt. I mean, everything's icy and stuff, but if you keep moving, you know, you'll, you'll pretty much stay okay. I mean, your body will make enough heat and energy from just walking around. And so you could walk around all night if you had to and, you know, take some uh, kind of naps during the uh, afternoon to uh, early morning, you know, if you had to. If you were absolutely stuck and you had to make a several day journey in snow and a snow shelter, uh, just dig one out. They're really not that bad. Uh, whenever I was in the Boy Scouts, we would do a thing called a Klondike Derby. And we would go up and, and make snow caves and sleep in them. And, and they're actually really warm. They're super insulated, but you do have to make sure that you, you know, that you have pretty good snow and it's good, good and packed because if not, it can cave in on you. 
and uh, you know you have to have a nice open doorway where you can get ventilation and pretty much ventilation is the number one killer in almost all these scenarios where people would huddle underneath their uh, kitchen table in the Middle East they, they would talk about some of these families would get so cold at night sometimes that they would huddle up underneath the kitchen table you know with blankets draped around it so it's a little tent type and they might burn a candle or they might burn a uh, little briquette type thing and there's many times where you've heard of these people that have been uh, asphyxiated by carbon monoxide or even just burned all the oxygen out of the little enclosed area that they're in and uh, that's something you definitely want to have I mean I know it's you know you're letting out a little bit of your heat but you know it's a lot better than than suffocating or getting carbon monoxide poisoning and dying um, ventilation that's number one no matter where you're at and uh, you know you don't have to open your window all the way if you open it enough that you're feeling a little bit of a cool breeze you're probably gonna be fine on ventilation and there's a lot of things that you can I mean th this could really go a ton of ways you know because there's uh, a lot of cold cold weather survival techniques that you know that I've learned and that I've actually put to use in a few times. Um, eating snow, okay, that is the number one no no stupid thing to do, okay. If you put snow in your mouth and and you're thinking, well, I've got tons of water everywhere. Whenever the snow melts in my mouth, it's going to be water. Well, you can actually dehydrate yourself and burn a lot of calories and it'll actually be a, a, a really bad idea to do something like that. Um, putting snow in your mouth, at one, it's, it's super cold and you've got to melt it and you're not going to get a whole lot of water out of that. Best thing that you could do if you're stuck out somewhere is take like a bottle, um, a flask, uh, anything that you have, some kind of a container, okay? And you pack that thing completely full of snow, put the lid on it and put it in your coat pocket put it in your pants pocket you know put it up your shirt tuck your shirt in yeah it's gonna be cold but it's gonna give you a lot more water and a lot easier to, to melt it with your body heat and uh, even if you put a layer between you and it you know the uh, inside your coat you will melt that bottle of ice and uh, snow into water and then you can drink and you'll actually have enough water to, to hydrate yourself and just continually do that and you know that will give you plenty of of water um also like my brother was also talking with me about is your socks okay you could put your socks inside of your coat and uh, give them a chance to dry out and that's another point if you're gonna be in cold weather you know staying dry is number one if you get wet you're gonna freeze you're gonna get into a hypothermic state and you're not even gonna know what's going on before you know it you're gonna be asleep and dead and uh, a lot of things that you can do to avoid that kind of stuff is uh, wear wool socks wool gloves wool beanie anything that you can get that has real actual wool none of this synthetic crap that stuff's eh, it's alright you know it'll keep you warm and everything but if it gets wet a lot of synthetic things lose a ton of insulation value and so you know wool wool will keep like 80 or in the high 80 percent of its insulation value I mean you've got a ton of wools you know you've got your merinos and and all these different blends and stuff so it's really hard to throw a number on on just wool because there's so many types but if you get yourself 
a really decent pair of wool socks, gloves, a beanie hat, or a ski mask, um, or even just underclothes. You can get, and, and you're gonna pay a little bit more money for it. But you know, with any of your gear, um, it's gonna be well worth it. Because if you skimp and you go get some cheapy cotton, you know, thermals and stuff, and they might look nice and decent, and hey, these keep me warm. Wait till you go out and get wet one time. You know, you're gonna freeze your butt off. And the problem with uh, cotton and stuff is whenever it does get wet, you're done. You have to dry that with a heat source, okay? It's not gonna ever just dry out with you wearing it in the wintertime. Summertime, yeah. Wintertime, no way. You're gonna freeze to death. You're gonna get hypothermia. You're gonna be cutting off fingers and toes. You're done. Okay, so with wool, the thing that makes wool so special is one, it keeps in the high 80% of its insulation value when it's soaking wet. So, you know, if you can't avoid getting wet, you have to trudge through snow to get somewhere, you know, that's fine. And what you can do is, and I've actually done this, I, I have a really nice old military wool scarf and uh, some gloves and socks, and uh, that's all I wear at work because wool also wicks away a lot of sweat. So really nice. And, you know, whenever you think of a wool sock, you think, oh man, itchy, um, really hot. And it's actually really not. Um, a lot of times you can get the knit style that are like very breathable. So they're not anything like you would think, you know, they're not like your grandma's wool socks or something, but they're, you know, a lot of really good technologies into it. The knits, the types, the blends, very breathable. Um, but they'll also keep your feet dry. And number two, if you get them wet, okay, we've already gone over their insulation values way killer. But number two is if they're soaking wet, you hang those up outside, okay? So if you can make yourself a snow shelter, you make yourself, uh, you know, turn your car into a little base camp, whatever. You hang those up and you let them freeze, okay? Now once the wool item has frozen, you bring it back in and you shake it and bust off all the ice, okay? And all that ice will fall off and your wool is dry, you know? and that is one of the coolest things about wool, and I've done it several times, and it worked. It's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, a lot of the military wool stuff, you can pick them up at, um, like, your Army-Navy stores, um, cheaper than dirt. You know, I really don't care for that website very much because, I don't know, I'm not trying to plug them here at all. But they uh, they kind of have some higher-priced gear lately. They've, they've kind of pulled some dirty... Um, stuff like whenever the mag scare was coming out, they're trying to sell uh, steel mags in the hundreds, and and it's like guys are just dirt bags trying to capitalize on on a panic, you know. And they've done a few things in the past like that. They've uh, jacked the price up on things in the different seasons. And I, I guess you know, I mean, you got to understand everybody's got to make a dollar. But don't get dirty with it. You know what I mean? It should be cheap and dirty is what they should change their website to. But Anyway, so, I mean, you can go to Midway USA. I really like Midway. And Midway, lately, they've been bringing on a lot more um, outdoors gear. You know, they'll, they'll have some tents. They'll have a few things. And, um, you know, and if you go in, they actually have a military section. So you can check out, like, bulk ammo, um, you know, any type of military gear. They, they've pretty much got a few things here and there all the time. But, you know, eBay... Be really leery of eBay, okay? Because eBay can be a scary place. I mean, if you go onto like an eBay 
and you look and the guy's from China, all right, chances are it's not going to be wool, even though he's saying, oh, 100% merino wool, you know. I've, I've bought a few things off of eBay, learned my lesson. Hopefully you guys out there listen to me and just, you know, don't even have to learn that lesson. I learned it for you. Um, so really watch, you know, the, the stuff on eBay. Make sure that it's like, a if it says style, so if it says this is military style and it's a third the price, it's probably a piece of shit, all right? Flat out. Um, you know, not worth it. Any That's one of the key words that you really have to watch because they're so deceptive. If it says style, type, um, you know, anything like that, that you can just see that it's not genuine U.S. GI issue, um, you know, or 100% wool, you know, just really be careful because you can spend a lot of money on a real big piece of garbage. But wool socks, I mean, there are some wool coats out there and, you know, and you can even spray down a lot of things. You know, if you want to waterproof stuff, you know, you can spray it with uh, some of that camp dry or stay dry, stuff like that. It works pretty good, but with wool, I wouldn't really want to mess with it a whole lot just because, you know, you do want it to absorb the water and, uh, you know, you're not going to really sacrifice a whole lot of the insulation value. And so, I don't know, some other things that you can do with your home, though, is let's say you're at home, okay? We kind of went off the trail there a little bit and went off into the uh, outdoors part of it. So let's say you're at home and you don't really have a whole lot of things to burn, you know? Uh, you know, turn on your faucet, get it to a, a trickle because that's going to help keep your pipes from freezing. And, you know, whenever I bought my store, when we first uh, moved into it and everything, you know, the, the pipes had froze. Um, that winter before that, you know, the lady just didn't turn on any faucets. She didn't run the heater at all. She actually turned the whole furnace and everything off. And so whenever we moved in, it was summertime. And, and first thing we did was, yeah, we turned the water on. And bam, we had water shooting everywhere, all over the place. We had busted pipes. And lucky for us, it broke in two places. And we found them right away. We shut the water off, went in, soldered in a new connection. And hey, we were ready to rock again. But, you know, it can be expensive. Let's say it froze and burst in your wall. You're going to be paying a ton of money, you know. Somebody's going to have to come and, you know, patch up your drywall. Um, you're going to have to probably get it, you know, mold inspected and stuff like that. But... You know, um, just by turning on your faucet, you know, that right there is going to give you a way higher percent of a chance that your pipes won't freeze. And so, you know, I mean, it's worth it. It's worth a little bit of an extra water bill if you have to. But let's say, uh, you know, let's say that there's just a bad storm, takes out all the power in your whole neighborhood for, you know, a week, two weeks. You know, you better really start getting some stuff in order. Um, hopefully, you already have some candles. Uh, candles are a big thing, okay? You can go down to the dollar store. I'm a huge fan of the dollar store, okay? Dollar store warrior right here. And uh, they have these, you know, those little Jesus candles that uh, have like, you know, the Virgin Mary on them, the little Holy Santos, whatever. Those are phenomenal, okay? Those, I, I love them. I buy those up all the time. In fact, I have cases of them that I have set aside in like my, you know, just kind of closet where, you know, I store a few things. I have some hundred hour candles 
Um, they make some really cool stuff. They're a liquid and, uh, you know, you just light the wick and they burn pretty clean. You know, you don't have a lot of soot and it's not like a real nasty oily smell or anything. I was kind of worried, you know, seeing like a lamp oil type look, but they're actually a pretty clean burning candle. And, uh, you know, the UCO, um, they actually make some really cool little candle lanterns and, uh, you know, you light that thing up and you're putting out 40,000 BTUs, so they claim, um, from, you know, the little candle lanterns. Because, one, you're heating up the glass on it, the little mantle and stuff in there, and it's uh, it's putting off heat. You're also heating up the little stainless steel top plate. That thing's getting hot, putting off heat. And, uh, you know, the flame, it's putting it out. And uh, you can hang them up, you know, anywhere you want, or you can set it on a table. I really, really like the little UCO... Uh, however you, I don't know if you say Uko or Uko or whatever, but I just call it the UCO. And phenomenal. They make them in uh, nine-hour candles. And nine hours, I mean, that's quite a bit. Because if you lit that thing, you know, before you went to bed, chances are if, you know, your power's out and everything's freezing, you're not going to sleep eight, nine hours. We're not talking sleeping in. So, you know, you're probably going to sleep five, six hours, and you're going to be like, man, that's enough. I got to pee and battle in the cold you know it's it's gonna be a miserable time but you know you're you're gonna be able to survive this i know you are you guys are strong you guys are listening to this kind of stuff you're strong people you're looking for ways to improve yourself so all right so candles go down to the dollar store get you some little uh holy santos and you know and i've got a bunch that are just you know they're clear with a white little wax candle in them and so one time I did an experiment, you know, I went to work and before I went to work, I lit it. And so I, I told my wife, I said, Hey, look, I'm going to start this thing right now. Don't blow it out. You know, I don't want to, I want to just see how long they'll burn all the way down till they're gone. And, uh, so she's like, all right, I'll watch it for you. So I lit the thing and I went to work that I'm not even kidding you. That single candle from the dollar store. Okay. cost me $1. It burned for almost 80 hours, okay? And some of these 100-hour candles that I've picked up, you can get them anywhere from $4.99 to $8.99. I've seen them at different places. Um, Emergency Essentials, that place carries a lot of really cool gear too, you know? And uh, they they actually have their own brand of one, and I think it's right around there. It's about $4.99, 5 bucks for a 100-hour candle. Phenomenal, you know? But if you, you know, if you don't have the money and stuff, Go, go to the dollar store, grab yourself a little glass tube, and they actually put off quite a bit of heat. And uh, so, okay, so we got candles. Hopefully, and I would love to get my own uh, wood-burning stove, okay? And the wood-burning stove, they're phenomenal, okay? And they put out a lot of heat, especially some of these newer models that are catalytic. And with the catalytic, how they work, is they actually draw in some of your um, exhaust that would be burning off, and it resucks it and circulates it around, and so you're you're getting more, um, pretty much efficiency out of your fireplace. So, you know, a catalytic one is something to look into. And um, I was talking with the guy that sells them, and uh, A Johnson Heating here in uh, Utah, phenomenal company, really awesome service, and those guys. Um, the one guy, his name's Val, and he has the uh, catalytic fireplace, and I was talking to him about it, and Val says, 
Well, you know, you're not supposed to burn coal in it because it voids the warranty and, uh, you know, coal puts out like a, you know, a more sooty, tarry, you know, for any of you smokers, you know, the, the tarry stuff. It's kind of like coal. It puts off some kind of a tarry, you know, ick. And so uh, if you go to burn coal, he says, before you even start your fire, if you know you're going to throw coal in it, for those of you who are lucky enough to be in a coal area, right? Take the catalytic block out of the fireplace before you start a fire and uh, set it aside. And what it is, it's just a little ceramic block. And it's just got a bunch of little channels that are, you know, formed in it. Pretty phenomenal little invention. But, uh, so anyway, so you can burn coal in those, you know, even though they say they're not rated and all this stuff. It's, it's just mostly because once you gum up that ceramic filter, you know, then it's a, a real pain in the butt to clean. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to clean them in your dishwasher with your, uh, you know, from burning fires and stuff with just wood. Now, that brings us back to another point. Okay, let's say you don't have coal. You have wood though, right? Hopefully, because if you have a wood burning stove and you don't have a supply of wood because you say, ah, oh, you know what, we didn't need it last year. We didn't need it last year. We didn't need it last year. You've gone three, four years without burning this wood burning stove and you don't have any wood stocked up at all, then it's not going to do you any good, you know, to have a wood burning stove in your home. And, you know, last minute putting one in with no power and freezing cold, you know, chances are if shit goes down and you don't have a, a wood burning stove in your house, you're probably not going to get one. Um, especially if vehicles aren't running, you get snowed in for a while. I mean, you might be in some big trouble, but that's one of the main things that I've had on my list for a while is I've been wanting to get a wood burning stove, but you know, just, uh, it's not even cost. Uh, it's just kind of the area I'm in. I'm really close to the main street and, uh, you know, I just, I just don't know about their zoning because my building's so close to another one. And I do know that there are a lot of code with it. You know, you can't just throw it in, um, like in my area. They actually want it to go three feet above the highest point of your home. So if you're running your chimney in the center of your home, chances are it's going to come out of your peak anyway, or close to it, and you're set. But a lot of people, you know, they'll put it against the wall and they'll run it up and out. And hey, you're going to have to have this ridiculous looking chimney, you know, and but, you know, every area has probably got a different code and uh, stuff like that. Two, you got to keep those things clean. You know, a wood-burning stove, it's maintenance. Um, it's not just sitting there looking pretty and, and burned. I mean, you get all kinds of crap. Squirrels might build a nest in there. A bird might build a nest in there. Um, or maybe, you know, you built a lot of fires one year because it was cool and we got our use out of it. And, uh, you know, and it filled up with soot and all kinds of other crap. And then it all fell in and it's just a big nasty mess in there. Well, there's a lot of people every year that build a fire and they actually catch their chimney on fire from all the soot and all the tars and things that built up or nests. And there's people that can burn their homes down um, just from not maintaining their fireplace and their chimney. So even if you haven't used it, especially if you haven't used your fireplace in a year or two, just get up there. And even if you have to just drop a big rock all the way down there, hey, that's, you know, if you don't have all that fancy chimney cleaning crap, just try and clean it out a little bit, you know, so that you have a, a good, clean airway. And, uh, you know, that 
I mean, they have those uh, fire logs that are supposed to clean your chimney. I don't know, man. That's pretty, pretty sketchy if you ask me, because the chimney itself can be the danger, not just, you know, I don't know what those little stupid logs do. Maybe they burn hotter, but, um, you know, so have a good wood pile built up, uh, you know, because it would really suck to have to burn grandma's antique chair that she left you, you know, or, or your wife's whatever the hell it is that's wooden burning that picture frames, you know. But, you know, in, in the wintertime, I mean, if you got stuck and snowed in, you know, sky's the limit. Start breaking stuff up and burn it. You know, you can always replace crap and hopefully you got a picture of grandma's chair before it kept you guys from freezing that night. But, you know, even if you went and cut down some trees this year, um, you know, you might be able to get it to burn, but chances are it's not really going to burn very good. You're going to have to let that stuff dry out. You know, you have to let it sit and and uh, let some of the sap and moisture and stuff like that dry out in your wood. So it's not just a cut and go type thing, you know. Um, wood burning stoves are, you know, some planning and some maintenance. And uh, coal, you know, if you get your coal soaking wet and leave it out in the sun, you know, it loses BTU, it loses all kinds of value. And, you know, so, you you know, everything that you have has got to be some kind of a plan maintenance you know deal so survival is not easy guys <laughs> but you know so with the cold weather stuff you know um i mean i'm trying to think of some other stuff that might be kind of important you know there's all these you know things in the back of your head that you know that you know and to get that kind of stuff out you know sometimes and see last time i i did a a notebook where i actually had some notes and that kind of messed me up my train of thought crazy as my train of thought gets but um you know also hey safety you know because let's say you're driving through the the mountainy range like i do you've got to have decent tires um if your tires suck or your tread is like half dead you know that right there might be the cause of your um emergency you know you might have slid off the road because you were too cheap to go and get some good tires or, you know, you had those uh, racing slicks on your, you know, cool new Camaro and uh, and now you're off in a ditch somewhere, you know, freezing to death. But, you know, so go over your vehicles too and, you know, put a kid in your car. I mean, wintertime, you know, even if you just break down right down at Walmart and you're in the parking lot and you're like, oh, man, I'm stuck out here. Hey, whip out a bottle of water and a candy bar, you know, whatever. But, you know having a survival kit you know being a survivalist a prepper whatever you want to call yourself you know it's it's actually we'll just call it being smart you know um if you want to be smart and survive then some of the biggest things is just being prepared uh get yourself together maybe a backpack because you know i do like ammo cans i put a lot of crap in ammo cans and then stash them in my trunk i stash them under the truck seat you know, I stash them all over the place. But if, you know, it's wintertime and you've got to carry a metal ammo can around, you know, that's one thing that I kind of rethought this year is I thought, hey, you know what, maybe I'll just get myself a backpack, something that I could put on and, and carry hands-free, something that's not metal, going to freeze my hands. Um, ammo cans are great, though, but I'm a huge fan of them. They're indestructible. But wintertime, yeah, I think I'm going to switch over to a backpack. You know, and you put enough food in there that, you know, if you got stuck for a day or two, you know, chances are you're not going to get stuck out off the highway for more than a day, you know, 
maybe even just a few hours. But you never know. I mean, what if you went off the road and nobody could see your vehicle and you had to walk quite a ways? You know, we've we've had several times where uh, buddies, you know, we've been out in the mountains four-wheeling and, uh, you know, car breaks down or something, you have to walk. And I remember walking home one time and the mud was like freezing. We were walking through the mud and I mean, I had a light jacket on and uh, my buddy didn't even have a jacket. And here we are walking home and, you know, we didn't think we needed one. Hey, the car has a heater, you know, we're young, we're 17, whatever. We just jump in and just go and tear it up. But we're walking home and the mud was freezing as we're walking. And uh, we were like taking turns, like wearing the coat, you know, it's like, here, wear it for a few minutes, you know, and then you're jogging in place and trying to jog around to, to get out of there. And uh, if we would have had something like a backpack or, you know, even a beanie hat, some gloves in, in the bag, you know, that would have been a killer improvement on what we were doing, you know, sharing a coat, walking in the mud. And, uh, you know, lucky for us, nothing happened. You know, we didn't get, you know, frostbite or anything like that. But, you know, I, I do have another friend that didn't get so lucky, um, went snowboarding and was coming off the mountain and ran out of gas and just thought, I'll just walk, you know, I mean, there's people driving up and down this mountain all the time. And so he, you know, threw his board in the car, locked it up, and uh, he just had a pretty light jacket on too. Um, and I've been there. When you're snowboarding, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't bring a full-blown coat because you get hot, believe it or not. You know, you're out there snowboarding and, uh, you know, you're hiking up the hills because, you know, in my little town, we don't have ski resorts down here, you know. Uh, you can go up north and go to that. But so we would walk up and down hills and you're getting a pretty good workout and, and you're actually sweating. You're getting really hot and... So a lot of times I would just wear like a long sleeve thermal kind of shirt. And and uh, by the time you got up to the hill and you snowboarded down, hey, you know, you rested for a minute and you went back up. And so this buddy of mine, he was walking down this uh, mountain road, no coat on, just kind of a thermal coat or, you know, top like we usually wear. And, and uh, he wasn't so lucky. It was a lot further than he thought he was and ended up losing a bunch of toes and almost all of his fingers. And, you know, that kind of stuff could have been avoided, you know, and, you know, it makes you feel bad in that situation, but, you know, there's not a lot you can do except for survive. He did survive, you know, he made it off the mountain and uh, lesson learned, you know, so now let us learn from lessons and do it the easy way instead of the hard way. And if, you know, if you're like me, you know, we can talk about this kind of stuff and, uh, you know. A lot of times I put it off myself and I don't get things ready like I should. But best thing you can do if you're listening to any uh, survival books or listening to any fictional survival things. Um, I really do like the James Wesley Rawls, How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It. That book is phenomenal. Um, I have it on audio and I just listen to that all the time. And I'll carry a little notebook with me. And so when you're listening to maybe this show or any kind of book, you know, maybe set a little notebook next to your computer or if you're you know, traveling when you do it, keep, keep it in your car. You know, keep things safe, but whenever you hear an idea of something that maybe sticks out to you, put it in your notebook, you know, and uh, things to do and buy it, do it, and uh, change out stuff, you know. I'm changing an ammo can out for a backpack here probably tomorrow. In fact, I've got the backpack sitting right here. So, um, 
yeah, you can get any of those like hand warmer things. Um, they're pretty cheap. You know, you just add a little bit of water to them. Uh, they've got some other ones where you just break a deal and they start getting warm and they go for four to six hours. So, um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much about all I can think of right now as far as the cold weather goes. Um, so recap, keep your car stocked and make sure your vehicle's in good running condition. Make sure that you have a good wiper fluid too. Oh man, I almost forgot about that. I drive through the mountain a lot and I'll tell you what, you run out of that squirty stuff in your window, you know, your de-icer window cleaning stuff. When that stuff runs out and there's a lot of salt on the highway, your windshield is like, it looks like it's frosted all the time and you can cause a bad wreck, you know? can't see where you're going you go off the road maybe hit somebody head on no we don't want that kind of stuff so even if you have to pull over every few miles rub some snow on the windshield keep it clean guys you know get to a uh, walmart and get you another gallon of that crap but all right so back to it so emergency kit in the car uh, make sure our fluids and our tires and everything in our car is good to go um you know, make sure that your apparel is good to go, you know, um, you know, maybe change your, you know, your, uh, socks. You've got cheap, crappy socks and I've been there. I mean, I've bought the, the cheap budget socks, you know, the nine, 10 pack that you get at Walmart for $5.99. You know, that's great for the summertime, but winter, Hey, spend a little bit, you know, Cabela's actually has some pretty decent deals on some Merino wool socks and, um, go grab you some. Even if they're partial wool, you know, they'll keep your feet warm and insulated. And, uh, you know, maybe even change out the old tennis shoes and the Jesus sandals to a pair of, you know, mid-top boots. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff might be decent if you're out hiking uh, or if you had to. So, for homes, lots of candles, uh, sleeping bags, possibly a tent self-standing uh, because if you end up putting up one of those that you have to drive stakes in you may not be able to get those stakes out very good if you pounded them into your flooring but uh hey if it was a survival situation go for it and if you don't have a tent in your home and uh crap goes down you know build one out of blankets take all the blankets in the house you know maybe even mattresses you know lay a mattress on the floor get it on the floor and uh you know, put some couches together, use the cushions, throw some blankets over everybody, make a little tent, you know, and uh, snuggle up, you know. I mean, if you guys are living in a house together, you know, you're probably more than likely family. And if you're roommates, hey, you know, I've got roommates that are like brothers and, uh, well, not now. I mean, I've had roommates in the past and they are like brothers, you know. If we had to cuddle up to get warm, hey, whatever. But, um, Okay, so run the water, keep your pipes from freezing, a candle in a room, um, even if you had some duct tape and some trash bags, duct tape and trash bag up your windows, okay? And that's a good one right there, you know, maybe stuff some spare pillows up in the windows because a window is probably one of the places you're going to lose a lot of heat in your home. So if you guys can, you know, kind of insulate them a little bit, seal it off, you know, especially if you have those old aluminum window frames and you can put your hand next to it and feel the heat either leaving or cold air coming in. 
hey, chances are, you know, that's going to be a weak point for you. You know, seal it off. And uh, buy yourself a wood-burning stove and stock up on wood. So, you know, and if you're building a home and you're like, you know, kind of getting some ideas for it, get the spray-in insulation. If you can spend that extra little, you know, bit of money, it might save your life in a, you know, crap going down situation or the geothermal. I mean, my friend, he can run his house without the, uh, you know, the little heating element. It, it's like in line. His house will stay 65 degrees year round. Okay. And I mean, 65, hey, that's livable. You know, if, if all you had was, uh, you know, maybe even like a one-way valve, you could just open up your your system and let it circulate. I mean, 65 degrees, that's going to keep you guys, you know, not you know, toasty or nothing, but it's going to keep you from freezing to death and it'll probably keep your pipes from breaking. So, you know, phenomenal thing to look into uh, if any of you guys have a decent-sized yard because it does take up quite a square footage. You know, it's about the size of a large double driveway is what you need. So, you know, look into that and... Uh, also, with solar, you know, whenever the winter months come on, you have less hours of daylight. And uh, it, I don't know if this is true or not, but to me, it just feels almost like you don't have the same strength of daylight, almost like the panels don't put out as much. And, you know, plus, you know, no, no time. So definitely uh, don't rely on solar as a full backup, but it sure as hell is windy to maybe get a windmill thing for backup too. And, uh, you know, hey, if you guys come up with any cold weather ideas, hey, email me, survivingthemodernworld at hotmail.com. As always, if you guys email me, I will email you back. And if you have a question, chances are somebody out there might have that same question or they can benefit from it. So I will throw that on, you know, the next show. And I'm going to start messing around with this program a little bit more. Maybe find some intro music. Um pay the copyright or whatever it is I have to do. I'm going to have to look into that, do some research, you know, maybe church this, uh, this little show up a little bit, you know, usually I just start it, jump right in. But I mean, sometimes that's better for me. I, you know, whatever. We'll get fancier guys. Just hang in there. But I'm just trying to throw out a few shows to where, you know, maybe it shows some interest. Uh, people say, oh, there's a few shows. I'll listen to them, see if they get any better, see if they suck. Hey, let me know. Hey, if they suck, <laughs> let me know. I'll do whatever I can to change it. Uh, I'm just trying to help you guys educate a little bit and uh, just doing it for free. So, all right, guys, that should wrap it up for uh, the winter episode, I guess. So stay safe, uh, hit up the dollar store. And uh, Semper Fi.